Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. And as always, for sharing our podcasts on social media. We appreciate you guys so much going on. And I can't wait to get to our guest in just a minute this morning. Father, thank you for giving us another day to love you, to serve you, to hopefully be your voices in this world and uh, to spread the truth of your word And, Father, we need your strength, we need your wisdom, and we ask that you'd uh, guide us into all truth as we try to live as salt and light in this culture, in this country, and in this world. Lord, help us to cultivate an eternal perspective. And, Father in heaven, we also lift up those who are suffering right now, not necessarily even with diseases, although we ask your blessings on any brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through physical health issues But, Lord, those that are lonely, those that are struggling with depression, um, prevent them, Lord, in their thoughts from going any further than um, depression. In other words, Lord, prevent them from even thinking that their life is not worth anything. And we ask that you comfort those, especially on this Mother's Day weekend, who are in hospice or who are in nursing homes or in hospitals, who are living alone and can't don't have family members or can't have family visit them, oh God, we need you to intervene and be the comforter, the God of all comfort, as your word says you are. So thank you, God, for these challenging times. They make us stronger and they make us long for heaven. And we thank you for that promise in Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Well, so much to get to today. And I know, guys, um, this you might, I want to recommend don't drink any caffeinated beverages Uh, (laughs) Before you hear this podcast, today's guest, back with us, popular author and speaker, Heidi St. John, the busy mom. She's been speaking on marriage, family, cultural issues for over 15 years. Her passion is to encourage moms to boldly become who God has created them to be. She and her husband, Jay, are homeschooling parents, and they live just outside Vancouver, Washington. Heidi St. John, thank you for coming back on Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Oh, boy, you're very welcome. Let me just share some stats with you, and I want to hear your story um, recently about visiting your, I believe, your mother-in-law who was in the hospital. Um, In New Hampshire, 75% of COVID-19 deaths are in nursing homes. Maryland, 60%. Pennsylvania, 80%. Texas, 40%. Connecticut, 90% of deaths were in nursing homes due to COVID-19, and a quarter or more of New York deaths have been in nursing homes. What we're trying to suggest is you do not need to shut down the entire society to protect these vulnerable people in nursing homes and in hospitals and in isolated areas. You, we need to protect them and allow the rest of the country to function. And it seems like things are upside down today, Heidi. And you've got a video that you put on your Facebook page. I think it was from a week or so ago. And you were outside your mother-in-law's hospital room. You could not be with her. Could you please share part of that story to update our listeners on on what you went through? And a lot of people commented on it, by the way. Yeah, we, um, my my mother-in-law, it was kind of a a little bit of sort of a train wreck of events that happened. Um, She had a heart attack a week before that video was taken. And her, um, my, you know, my, my husband took her to the hospital and when they got there, yes, it was confirmed she absolutely was in the middle of a heart attack. They ended up transferring her to another hospital that had a better cardiac unit. And when they made that transfer, they told my husband, you can't go with her. Now, you got to understand, this wow. is a 76-year-old woman in the middle of a heart attack. Hmm. She's, you know, she's afraid. She's not necessarily thinking clearly. And yet they separate her from the one person who cares the most about her, who can help her make good decisions and understand what's happening. So that was very frustrating, and I, I recorded a video from out in front of the emergency room. I showed everybody the COVID-19 tents, which lie vacant, mm. 
I showed them the the hospital, which is a ghost town. I mean, they're laying medical workers off around here because people are not as sick as the mainstream media has purported them to be. Mm-hmm. And so they transferred um, our mom to uh, a hospital in Portland, Oregon. Two days later, she was released, came home, did not have discharge papers. We did not talk to a physician, did not know. You know, she came home with medicines and that kind of thing, but we weren't in on any of her care. And it's very frustrating because she lives with us and we're trying to help take care of her, right? So a few days after that, she has, she comes to me and she doesn't feel good. She has, I, and, and she, it turns out she has a, an infection. She's developed a massive hematoma mm. uh, at the site of the incision for the angiogram test that she underwent. And I didn't, I didn't know about it. So I take her to the clinic in Vancouver. They say, oh, my goodness, we can't take care of this here. She's going to have to go back to the hospital. To which I reply, can you please call ahead and tell them I need to stay with her? I don't, if I don't know what's going on, I don't know how to take care of her. They said, we agree with you. Absolutely. Yes, we'll do that. I get down there. Same thing happens again. And by this time, I am, I am upset. And I said to the hospital administrators at the front, see, at the front door of the hospital, they separate you from your loved one. Wow. And so I said, this time I said, no, I will not be separated from her. She's, just, she's recovering from a heart attack, and now she has a massive infection. I want to stay with her. And because I put up a little bit of a fuss, they, they let me, you know, they let me go into the hospital. And then once they saw her and determined, yes, she definitely needs to be admitted, then they came to me and said, you're going to have to leave. Wow. It was, it was stunning. It was mm. absolutely stunning. So I went out and sort of, you know, I mean, people say to me, well, you, you know, if that was me, I'd have fought with everything that's in me. Listen, I'm a fighter. And David, you know me. Absolutely. I'm a fighter. <laughs> but you're, ta- you're talking about, I'm standing in front of my mother-in-law who is compromised, right? Yeah. She's afraid. She doesn't feel good. She just had a heart attack. Is it going to help her to watch her daughter-in-law get hauled off by security? Mm. No, that would have made it worse. It would have made her anxiety worse. So I I relented. I gave them my phone number, tears in my eyes. I said, please call me. Please, I need to know what's going on. And uh, they said, well, you can wait right out out here in the parking lot. And then I realized why the parking lot, why everybody in the parking lot was sitting in their cars. They're separating them from their loved ones at the door. Mm. So... Uh, it frustrated me to no end. So I, I recorded a live video, which is probably what you saw, Yes. which has now been seen, I think, uh, uh, right around 320,000 times. Uh, <laughs> because people people don't <clears throat> they don't know what's going on. And when they find out, they're stunned. It's unbelievable. Uh, are you still there, Heidi? Yeah, I'm still there. Okay, okay. Um, wow, so many directions we could go from this conversation. But um, right. I'm concerned that... Because of the lies that we've believed as a nation, generally, not everybody, generally, that we are allowing this to happen. And one of our concerns, yours and mine, is probably the fact that Christians generally are not getting together on Sunday mornings to worship together, to have church together, um, where the First Amendment protects churches. It doesn't necessarily, it's not for Walmart, it's not for Home Depot, it's not for you know gas stations and grocery stores, it's for Christians, our religious freedoms. And you, uh, I shared one of your quotes yesterday from that video that you did. And by the way, another thing I love about you, Heidi St. John, is here you are, you know, you're, you're, you know, your hair is up and you don't have any makeup on and you're just doing this video in, in, in your raw emotion. And I love that. And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people appreciate you and uh, you're not trying to be someone you're not. This is very real. And a lot of people are struggling and they needed to hear that and uh, see what you had to say. But in that video, you said, this is America. We better start getting brave if we want to remain the land of the free. And I thought, wow, that, that's, that's quotable. So, Heidi, what, what are your observations when you go to some of these events and a lot of other freedom lovers and people who just want to get back to work or open their business when... And, and let me just share, before I let you answer that, I'm sorry, I, there's a great article that uh, Leo Homan put out called Social Distancing is Not the Answer, It's the Problem. And here's what we are up against. They, meaning the left and globalists, they have the mainstream media on their side. They've got almost every Democrat governor and mayor on their side. They have the Vatican and the Pope talking about you know whatever he's pushing. And then they've got a growing number of even Christians, evangelical, Protestant leaders, 
all refusing to open our churches, apparently, until whenever they suggest it's okay to do that. So they've got so much, and I'm not even mentioning George Soros, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, Bill and Melinda Gates, and what they're pushing. In other words, the only solution to this is to have a vaccine for everybody. But I know most people won't eat. I know you. I know. Let me just have you share what you think about the vaccine. <laughs> I know you're oh, not going to take no it. <laughs> oh, there's no way I'm doing that. Oh, no. Listen, they're talking about they're talking about forcibly vaccinating people. Hmm. They're talking about forcibly. Now, listen, I have not been anti-vaccine. Most of uh, my kids, all seven of our kids were vaccinated until about five years ago when I realized, OK, they don't actually need a vaccine for that. And I don't care if they get this and that's OK. And so I started looking a little more critically at vaccines. But what's really alarming is that the vaccine they're talking about um, forcing people to take has been developed by a man who is openly into and for population control. Mm -hmm. And the work that he's done in India, they've kicked him out of there now because he's done so much damage over there. And it's amazing to me to see so many people go, oh, yeah, I'm completely willing to give up my freedom for safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we give up our freedom for safety, we will not be safe. And it's it's a lie, I think, that's been perpetrated on us. I was thinking this morning... I was talking to my husband about it this morning, how quick we were to give up our freedom. Yes. How quick pastors have been. We willingly gave up our freedom. We willingly shut down our economy. Uh, we have, I, I mean, six weeks ago, if you'd have told me this could happen, I'd have laughed at you. Mm. But I would have said there's no way Americans will not stand for that. And I do think there's a restlessness happening right now. I mean, certainly we're seeing it here in Washington State. We have one of the most tyrannical governors in the nation mm. uh, right here in, in my backyard. And I've been going to Olympia to protest what he's doing. But it's amazing. I thought this is I mean, I, I got on my Facebook page and I said that in Washington State, I said, this is illegal. This is unconstitutional. And then I got on the phone with an attorney who's interested in having me be part of a class action lawsuit against the governor. And I said to him, tell me this is illegal. And he said, unfortunately, it's not. I, my, my jaw hung open. I said, I don't understand. I know the Constitution. How yeah. could this possibly be legal? He said, because in the last three years, especially, the legislative bodies in many states, and Washington is one of them, have been slowly passing laws that give the governor's sweeping authority in the case of an emergency. Oh my goodness. So all they have to do is say there's an emergency and now they have a legal leg to stand on, which frankly is why you see a lot of pastors not opening their churches, especially here in Washington, because the governor has the authority to do it. And so now the, the argument is, what is the response of the church? You know, at what point does uh, what they're asking us to do go against uh, the Word of God? Mm. And it, it's actually... Uh, it's been so eye-opening for me because I originally thought there's no way they can get away with this, but legally they can. And it's our fault because we have allowed, and you and I have had this conversation before, you know, I've been alarmed about this for years, but I didn't, I just never imagined this scenario. Right. We have allowed for years, wicked people to run for office, unopposed. Christians don't get into politics because it's dirty business, and we don't, you know, we we don't mix religion and politics, which is such a lie. Right. And so now we've surrounded ourselves with ungodly leaders, and these are the people who are making these decisions. Many of them globalists. I mean, hello, I live in Bill Gates's backyard, yeah. so uh, <laughs> it's amazing what's happening. Yeah, and by the way, back to that vaccine. The idea is if they can get people to take this vaccine or some other digitized device which could be an app on your cell phone, Uh, you've had to the government the potential to track and monitor your life. So uh, we're not just talking about a chip or something like that. We're talking about just global tracking all citizens, and that's what they want to do. I want to go back to something. China. Yes, yes. So last year, uh, in October, there was an event called a Global Pandemic Exercise. Bill Gates and others, the World Health Organization, CDC, World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins University, the CIA, and whenever you get the United Nations involved in something, look out, because they are about as anti-American anti-American, and anti-freedom. They want globalism. Uh, They want power. Uh, Various corporate media outlets also met at this conference. It was called Event 201. It was on October 18, and... It was basically a mass marketing strategy to hijack the narrative on the COVID-19 flu virus as soon as it was released, which happened 
last in late November, which this is fascinating to me, Heidi, and I don't know a lot of details about this, yeah. but I know that they rode this wave. Definitely. It's a path toward a new world order under United Nations Agenda 2030, sustainable development. You're talking about population control. That is one of the emphasis from the green agenda, the Green New Deal, the, the um, any kind of environmental extremism. Their idea, their worldview is human beings are the problem, so we've got to start limiting the right. population. And so they, we already know they've devalued life in the womb, and about five or six states in America say, okay, the elderly in nursing homes, we, we can uh, now euthanize them. A doctor can do this, because so that's legal. So this is yeah. driving a lot of this. Humans are the problem. They're trying to save the planet. It, this is all working together against one of the freest countries in the world. Heidi, what are you getting from people when you go to these rallies, when you went to the Olympia of the state capital in Washington? Are, are, are people emboldened? Are they afraid? Are they encouraged that other people are starting to protest or, or is all of the above? I, I think it's all of the above. And you and you find, you know, different people. If you go to a rally, you know, 99.9% of those people are, they're emboldened. They're angry. Uh, they're peace-loving. This is the thing that's so amazing about this. These are peaceful Americans. They're good citizens. They love this country. Many of them out of work. I mean, I travel and speak for a living, and I've lost, you know, 90% of my income this year. And I think for these people, they're up there because they're saying, hey, we want to go back to work. And they're protesting the government, the governor and the tension. And I was saying this. I had a, a long conversation with an attorney yesterday because there's some other things that are happening here in Washington that we're fighting against. Mm. And I, my, in my conversation with him, I said, we have to act fast because the uh, tension in Washington state in particular is so thick, you can cut it with a knife. Uh, people are frustrated. They're angry. I do not think it will be long before we see violence uh, on the street. And I'm not just talking about, like, we go to Olympia, to the Capitol, and there's violence there. I don't actually see that happening. I see just ordinary people getting so frustrated and mm. so angry at what they see happening that we're going to start to see a loss of self-control. Mm. I was in uh, the grocery store last week, and just, you know, grocery stores are a nightmare now. I don't like to go. Costco is forcing uh, uh, members now to wear masks, so I, I won't go anymore. I'm not going to be forced to wear a mask. And uh, when I was in Safeways, our local grocery store here, I was just leaning over, you know, like a meat case looking for a pot roast. And a lady, a woman and her boyfriend just came up to me yelling and screaming obscenities about me not having a mask and social distancing. And why don't I care about people? It was astonishing hmm. uh, in the grocery store. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't doing anything. I was standing there and I told my husband when I got home uh Something. I mean, what they're doing is they're making us afraid of each other. In yes. my uh, in my city here, where I live, just outside of Vancouver, in Battleground, Washington, a small town. So maybe there's well, I don't know twenty five thousand people in Battleground. The police chief on Tuesday set up a snitch site. Oh no! And went on his social media and encouraged the residents of Battleground to tattle on each other. If you see more than four people at a house. And you know what's crazy? They're doing it. Wow. They are doing it. Uh, it's amazing. I went and looked at the site the other day, and it, his form that you fill out is full of complaints. And you can see them. And people were saying, hey, you know, in the grocery store, we saw people at the local grocery store in Battleground. They were not social distancing. The police need to be dispatched to that grocery store. I mean, wow. if you have a tendency to be afraid of things, they're playing into that fear, yes. and they're turning neighbor against neighbor. It's terrifying. Isn't that interesting? It's This is prophetic. I mean, remember what—this was more from a Christian perspective. Jesus said, brother will be turned against brother, and you, your own family, mm -hmm. you will betray your own family. This is really chilling when you talk about what's happening state to state and depending on who your governor is, which is— Unbelievable. But we need to take a break. We're with Heidi St. John, the busy mom. Some encouragement before we go into the break, because we want to always come back to this thread of God's sovereignty ruling over all this. He is aware of what's going on. Before we take a break, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And then it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold 
together. So Jesus is sustaining us during this time. Let's rely on him. More with Heidi St. John when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Heidi St. John, the busy mom. Her website, HeidiStJohn.com. A ministry of Heidi's is Mom Strong International. We put a link to that in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Because of what we're talking about, and it can be potentially frustrating or infuriating, hopefully not too disheartening, friends, but this is the truth of what's happening. I want to sandwich everything we're talking about in Scripture. Um, Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. So though we might not know God's next steps and what he's allowing, what he's going to do, we do know that he is infinitely wise, abundantly good, and absolutely sovereign. So let's talk about what's happening now from, well, we're going to get into the dirt dirt here with politics. Um, Heidi, democratic socialists are relishing these lockdowns. Uh, for many reasons. Some of them actually just don't like humanity. Some of them hate America for whatever reason. But they believe, as we said earlier, some are globalists. They believe the planet is overpopulated and um, they would love to thin the ranks, so to speak, not necessarily through the COVID-19, but by maybe um, help keeping us down, depressed, devalued, divided. We are in camps of essential and non-essential. Where have we heard that before other than Nazi Germany? This is actually astounding to me. But um, watch CNN or MSNBC for a half hour, and you'll realize that their newscast is totally invested in keeping the lockdowns in place, keeping the fear ramped up as much as possible, and in their hopes of taking down Trump. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, Heidi. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen this coming, right? But we just never imagined it would come this quickly or in this fashion. But I think that they're absolutely loving it. And we see that, especially out in the Pacific Northwest, you've seen a pact now. There's a pact between Oregon and Washington. uh, And I believe they just brought Idaho into it, where they are saying that they're going to move in lockstep with each other as if the states have the exact same population, the exact same uh, exposure to the virus. And they're using this virus to accomplish an agenda that they have been wanting for a long time, but it's been resisted, right? And now that there's Trump in there, I mean, this is just me, but I'm like, you know, Russia, 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 you know, that didn't work. (laughs) Then they try to impeach him. That didn't work. And so now we're pandemicking, and it actually is working. That's what's so amazing to me. Voluntarily. We, and here's, we had a pastor on yesterday, Pastor Carl Gallops from Florida. He's an author and a pastor of a church, and um, he has not closed or shut down his church. And I know he, he told us yesterday he's taken a lot of flack from Christians and yeah, from other yeah. churches, other pastors. Um, and nobody, to his knowledge, this has been months now, nobody has contracted COVID-19, the coronavirus, in his church. Um, I didn't get to ask him, are they sitting in families or separating themselves by rows, how they're doing that? But he's got a pretty big church. But here's the thing, Heidi, and this is what I struggle with. A lot of Christians point to Romans 13 as a blanket, obey the government no matter what. But I look at Hebrews 10 when it does say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And we know that God honors our worship and we have a relationship with him individually. But we need that fellowship. We need accountability. We need to be among the saints, uh, gathering with believers. And church, the word church means gathering. It doesn't mean a building, but it does mean gathering. And right now we can't gather. What what is the situation like where you're at in the Northwest? Well, it's just it's a very similar thing. You know, my frustration has been, like I told you, that I believed that the governor's law was unconstitutional and illegal. Then I found out that what he's doing is well within his rights, that we have given him. We've given him the authority to make sweeping uh, laws like this, to take sweeping power away from people. But as I look at the church, I feel like initially, like we we want to do as much as we can, right, to work with the governing authorities and not against them. Mm -hmm. I think we've seen the church respond for the most part very well to the pandemic. But as it's gone on and we realize they told us, listen, stay home for a couple of weeks. We're going to flatten the curve. Well, we're in Washington State now. We, we did the thing, right? Right. We flattened the curve, and what they're doing is they're continuing to move the goalpost. 
So every time the governor comes out and has a, you know, his weekly, you know, address to the minions, uh, our governor, I call him King Inslee. So <laughs> King Inslee gets up and he says, uh, we we're still basically, he says, and I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing, uh, be afraid, be very afraid because the virus has not gone away and it's still here. And so these orders are still in place. Well, riddle me this, King Inslee. Why is it that we can go to uh, Walmart? Why can we go to Lowe's, which I'm sorry, every single day at Lowe's and Home Depot now is like Black Friday. Those guys are making so much money. It's insane. People are not social distancing right. in the parking lot. Uh, they have one set of, of rules for the stores that they deem essential, which who in the world, how, how have we said and how have we gone along with it? You're, you are essential, but you're not essential. Yes. Right. And the church is falling farther and farther and farther down on their list of who they think should come back to uh, come back to life. And so people are doing, you know, the uh, the virtual services. I'm sorry, but I'm watching the suicide rate. We just had two suicides. One was a murder suicide hmm. right here in my little town. Oh. Uh, we're watching abuse in homes yes. skyrocketing. We're seeing anxiety, depression, all these things, mm-hmm. and no one's talking about that. Exactly. We're so busy talking about essential workers versus non-essential workers, and I believe it's time for pastors to stand up and say, no, we did what you asked us to do. We need to assemble together. And so we're seeing some churches do that. I know next week here, most, if not all, of the Calvary chapels are going to start reopening. Uh, Jack Hibbs has asked for that to happen, and I know it's happening right here in Vancouver. Thank you, Jack Hibbs. Um, yep, that's what I said. I'm so proud of that guy. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're being respectful. They're saying, listen, we're going to abide by the social distancing, which I think is garbage, but whatever. So we're going <laughs> to abide by social distancing. We're going to do the, the, the best that we can, but it's time for us to stand up against really, really what is this massive government overreach and a massive overreaction to a virus. I saw that uh, Pastor Phil Hopper has a huge church, of which I have spoken there before, in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, just outside of Kansas City. And he announced yesterday that they are going to be opening their church, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. And he said, we, um, we can seat, you know, because they're saying 10% capacity. So they can seat, I think, 427 people or something like that, a space six feet apart. So they're doing that. They're trying to be as respectful as they can. But when churches can really start to file lawsuits is when you see that the government is holding one business to a different standard than they are to the church. So in other words, if you can have a gathering for, say, um, a concert, but the church is not allowed to gather. Now you can compare apples to apples and mm-hmm. say, no, the church is being singled out. And I know many churches are waiting for that. They're waiting to see if you start letting other people gather, but you won't let the church gather. Now you got a lawsuit on your hand. And I know that in Kansas City, they are preparing to file a lawsuit uh, for that reason, because their, their mayor there is holding uh, one one kind of gathering to a different standard than the church. So like they'll say, you can have 10% unless you're a church, and if you're a church, you can only have five people. Well, that is a clear violation. That's, a, that's clearly discrimination. So many of these people, and I think your listeners need to understand something, because I have been frustrated feeling like, why is it that um, we're not filing more lawsuits? Well, I talked to a, a gentleman from the ADF the other day, from the Alliance Defending Freedom, I have a lot of respect for those guys. Yes, and he said, he said, and this is what listeners need to understand: if we file a lawsuit and the lost and we lose, so let's say we file something and they say they come back and they say, well, we're not letting uh, Starbucks open, so why would we let your little coffee shop inside your your church open? See what I mean? If we file a lawsuit and we lose, now we've set a precedent. They don't want to file a lawsuit that they can't win, mm. so they're waiting to see. Uh, they're waiting to see discrimination against the church. Right now, the discrimination still, even here in Washington State, this is true, it's pretty much against everybody. Yes. Right? So if you're not a grocery store or a drive through food place, uh, you're closed if they don't deem you essential. Like a school, like they closed my homeschool resource center, and I've been trying everything I can to figure out how to open it. Wait a minute. And I was told— Your homeschool yeah, resource center is—why would yeah. they close that? They, because they don't, they don't want more than uh, a few people at it, and it's that we had classes, and since they closed all the classes in Washington State, they lumped me in with it. Wow. And I have been working. In fact, this week we're going to take a different angle. I've been trying really hard to get that open because we're getting phone calls every day from parents who are weeping 
Mm. because they are so frustrated. They're with their kids. They don't know what to do. Everybody in Washington State is pandemic schooling right now. Uh, They're calling it homeschooling, but it's not. (laughs) And I'm saying we are uniquely positioned to help these people. Yes. And And they're saying, no, we can't. And so my frustration level is just rising. And I think we're going to see more and more and more people as this drags on. I mean, forget the fact that they've completely crippled our economy. My son goes to a uh, goes to the Paul Mitchell School in downtown Portland. Paul Mitchell, this school that's been there for years and years and years, closed its doors permanently last week. My son, three months from graduating. Wow. And uh, they've closed their school because they depend on foot traffic. And they're mm. not getting any. They can't pay the rent. And we're going to see this happen more and more and more, which, frankly— I think the socialists are loving this. Yes, they are. Watching our economy get turned on its ear. But the legal question is not as easy as people want it to be. Mm-hmm. And this is what has been so eye-opening for me. Because I'm just like, sue them. Just open your churches. Just go back to work. Well, what's going to happen? And this is what they told me. They said, if you open, listen to this, David. They said, if you open the Homeschool Resource Center, you will be prosecuted and likely jailed. Wow. Wow. And then I have to say, then I have to say to myself, do I want to be jailed? Is that, that worth it? <laughs> yeah. You said you know, something. So oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying we, we have these decisions to make. And I think mm-hmm. as the as the um, as they start to reopen, if they don't reopen the churches immediately as they begin to give, you know, like they I don't know when we gave them this authority. But as they give us our freedom, which doesn't even feel like freedom anymore, back to it. If they preclude this freedom from the church, I think you're going to see dozens and dozens and dozens of lawsuits. But then you've got to look at the other side of it, and that's this. Here in Washington State, we are surrounded by wicked judges, Mm -hmm. literally surrounded by them. And so we're close to the Ninth Circuit, one of the most liberal, wicked uh, circuits in the nation. And we don't have a chance of winning a lawsuit in a court like that. Right. And so it's really like the deck is stacked against us. uh, These are amazing times. And the battle lines are clearly drawn. You said something a couple minutes ago uh, that— When you were talking about homeschooling and parents not knowing what to do, we are uniquely positioned to help during this time. And I thought, what about churches? Now, I know that there are some churches operating food pantries, and ours is. Ours has a food pantry that's open every Wednesday. And I know a lot of churches are doing things like this. But generally, I'm looking online and thinking, okay, I know a lot of pastors and churches are going online doing their sermons thinking, well, we can reach yeah. more people. But is it, it, it seems like we are being almost becoming more irrelevant because we are not really, we don't have a voice other than unless you're watching yeah. a sermon online. So as you said, we're, I'm concerned also that we are allowing more people to be killed by enacting these rules than the coronavirus yeah. could ever accomplish. And that means you know, people's depression and, and, and suicide, alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever else. But here's a, a conclusion from this article that I mentioned in the first segment. The sooner that sane Americans and the conservative politicians they elected in various counties and states realize that the rejection of social distancing is the key to breaking this attempted coup, the better chance we have of defeating this and I can't agree more. Heidi, yep. um, most of our guests are speakers, authors, uh, pastors, and they obviously have less events to go to. Their income is dropped. I want to give you an opportunity before we take our next break to just share a little bit about a couple of your recent books and to direct people to uh, Amazon or your website that people can support you and check out your books and encourage you that way. Oh, yeah, that would be great. So um, I've written uh, seven, at least, a whole bunch of books, and you can find them at uh, anywhere books are sold, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold. Um, and we have uh, a ministry to moms called MomStrong International, and really this is where I'm trying to get more and more and more uh, women over there. We have a free component to that where it's a scripture writing challenge, and we help moms uh, teach the scriptures to their children. And then we have a Bible study, and that Bible study is $8 a month. It's not very much. But uh, we've got a wonderful community over there. And that right now, we're basically living on that. Mm. (laughs) So um, it's amazing to me to see uh, how the Lord is providing for us. We have a nonprofit organization. People can give to the nonprofit. Friendly Planted Family is the name of that. Or they can just uh, support the podcast, and I can give you those links uh, as well. The podcast is growing, but because of coronavirus, we've lost several sponsors because they're not making any money. So it's right. like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. If the sponsors doesn't have money coming in, then he can't. 
support the podcast and then we lose our sponsors. And so it's a very weird sort of domino uh, effect that we're seeing. And I appreciate the opportunity. But, yeah, my books can be found. Here's an interesting fun fact. Thank you, coronavirus. (laughs) Uh, In Illinois, the governor of Illinois has declared that publishing houses were non-essential. And so for weeks, my books have been sold out everywhere. You couldn't find them anywhere because they were not allowing the publishing houses to ship the books. Wow. And so it crippled us in more ways than one. And I know a lot of uh, a lot of author friends of mine have have been in the same situation. I noticed yesterday Amazon finally got the books back in stock, but they haven't had them for weeks. Mm. And so we not only did we get cut off at the knees for speaking, but also we can sell books online. It's a very, very odd thing that's happening. Well, um, I'm looking at your video right now before we take our break, and you undersold yourself earlier. It's at uh, 353,866 views. Oh, wow. (laughs) I shared it a couple days ago, and I just want to let you know, um, a lot of the people that follow Stand Up For The Truth and myself, um, they're commenting and saying it's time to open up, let's roll. And this is why we went to Madison to protest, and they're commenting on your video. This is wrong. My heart goes out to her. Many prayers. Thank you so much, Heidi. Uh, People have to stand up to this nonsense. I love this woman. I know how she feels. So a lot of people are identifying with your story in that video. Uh, we got the red jacket on and no makeup and your hair pulled over, pulled back. Right, right, right. Um, I so know. That, I was like, this is not the most professional look for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's very real. And we're going through a very real and a very serious time right now. We have to drop the fluff and really try yeah. to start taking steps and reaching people and, and kind of mobilizing the troops. Uh, we're talking with Heidi St. John, the busy mom. Before we take our break, another scripture to share with you on God's sovereignty Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 19 through 22 says, Daniel blessed the God of heaven and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. More with Heidi St. John when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Heidi St. John, the busy mom, and we are going to dive right into this subject of, uh, of the coronavirus and how it's affecting us and what we can do as Christians. But before we do that, I read an encouraging article, a phenomenal article from the Master's Seminary by Patrick Sliman, what the book of Daniel teaches us about living in uncertain times. And he said, nothing can stay the sovereign hand of God. Psalm 33.10 says, the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. And uh, he says, it is one thing to say you believe in the sovereignty of God. It is another thing to live as if God were sovereign. And so, Heidi, in this time of uh, confusion and the pandemic and the potential you know, fear and anxiety, everything that's going on around us in our culture outside, um, the same is true of us today. We have a, we have a choice on how we're going to live. Are we going to live what we believe, that God reigns and we can still worship even in the midst of confusion? Um, just would love your thoughts on that idea of, of what are we doing as Christians during this time, knowing that God is sovereign, but yet he is allowing something very serious to affect many of our lives. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's a conversation that the church needs to have, you know, the, because the, the anxiety is real. You know, anybody with their, their eyes open can see it. Mm-hmm. And the trick is to not be consumed by it, right? So to be able to see what's happening around us and acknowledge it and ask the Lord what to do. And then at the end of the day, still be able to lay your head on your pillow at night and say, I trust the Lord. Amen. I trust the Lord. I know that he's sovereign. I know that he's working something. The Bible says in Romans that he works all things together for our good. And so to trust that the Lord is good, and either we believe uh, that he's good or we don't. And the way that we are acting, the way that we're responding to this is demonstrating what we really believe. I mean, we're seeing a lot of it. Here's an interesting thing that's been coming up in churches and in uh, circles that I've been 
uh, talking in lately. I was going to say traveling in, but no traveling, so just talking in. Uh, but one of the things I'm noticing happening is this conversation, and someone said to me the other day, if you don't have, um, if you're upset about this, you don't have the peace of the Lord. And I, I could not disagree with that more. Wow. Uh, we are emotional human beings, yes. and if we see, you know, we have every right to be angry at what's happening, every right to be upset. The Bible never tells us never to get angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. And so, um, and there are different personalities handling this differently, right? So mm-hmm. I am an off-the-bencher. <laughs> I am a person who's like, I'm a, I'm a like, Lord, give me my marching orders and let me march. You know, let me go. Let me do the thing. And so for someone like me, I mean, pretty much on day one of this thing, I was like, this is a hoax. I, this is wrong. I, I don't like this. It doesn't feel good to me. Uh, and so as it drags on, I have become increasingly frustrated because I've been frustrated since day one with mm. it. And now we're seeing more and more, I think more people are, their eyes are opening, right? Um, yes. And so I think as Christians, we have two responsibilities. The first one, obviously, is to be in the Word and be listening to uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. I have been burdened lately, and I'm going to be talking about this probably on my Facebook page later today. I have been burdened to uh, to fast and uh, feel like the Lord is just really laying it on my heart, heavy on my heart, which He hardly ever does. And I know that this weekend is um, Mother's Day weekend, and I yeah. was talking to a dear friend of mine the other day saying, what would you think if we started fasting like Tuesday and Wednesday of next week and uh, began to, at w- with one voice, as many of us as possible, to say, Father, show us what you want us to do. Reveal, reveal your heart and, uh, to us so that we get our marching orders from the Lord, because it's been on my heart so heavy that something is happening. There's, a, there's something insidious about what's happening. It's yes. wicked. Yes, it is. And, and we need to have... Uh, our direction has to come from the Lord of Heaven's armies. And what would happen if the Lord spoke to us and we could come together in agreement? And that's what we don't have right now. We don't have agreement. We still see churches who are like, well, it's okay. I mean, I've talked to pastors who are just very, very passive, and it's frustrating for me. I'm like, why would you remain passive in the face of this uh, this tyranny? Uh, I think that's wrong. And so I don't want to lose respect for my pastors. I want to respect them and, and listen. And I think, man, what if we came together this next Tuesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and we fasted through Wednesday evening, and we cried out to the Lord with one voice. And we began, you know, someone said to me the other day, what would you think about um, about calling together a, a, a rally of sorts, like a, like a national one, you know, where we meet, I don't know where, some, in a cornfield in Iowa, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we meet somewhere together, and we praise the Lord together, and we mm. lift His name up together, and we come together. We need to come together. They're yes, we weakening do. us yes. by not allowing us to come together. But I don't think that there's a way forward uh, to even make a plan until we pray. Amen. And so uh, that has been on my heart uh, lately. But I think we're—I mean, throughout history, I am amazed at the pastors who are so passive. I'm thinking, do you know how this—you do know that this country was formed because we went to war. Against King George. And pastors picked up their guns, by the way, too. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. And here I'm hearing pastors say, well, our allegiance is to the church and to the Lord. Well, yes, it is. But but we should be careful to, uh, to remember that our liberty is foundational to how we serve the Lord. And we should care about liberty in this country. Pastors should care about it. And so uh, I've been listening more and more to, to pastors that I respect who are starting to say enough is enough mm-hmm. and, uh, and get back to, to living. Because like you said, we were saying earlier on the break, we need to be around each other. We're weakening our immune systems. Right. We really are. That's another and thing. So, uh, yeah. I mean, this, there's so many sides to this. It's so multifaceted. But I believe and have believed from the beginning this thing is wicked at its core. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think President Trump, who I've been a, an ardent supporter of, is, uh, you know, no matter what he does, he can't make a good decision, it's a right? No I mean, he's sort him. of danged if he does and danged if he doesn't, yep. right? If he, lets, if he lets us go back to work, they're going to say, you're killing us. If he doesn't let us go back to work, they're going to say, you're killing uh, us. The economy is dying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Either way. Thing, he can't win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, how, I'm willing to take the risk with my health. I, I am willing, you know, Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. And I feel like this is, we're there again. Give me liberty or give me death. Wow. Uh, and we need to stand for freedom. Heidi, I think a lot of us feel that way and need that extra nudge. And I appreciate your voice in this, just trying to encourage people, hey, you don't have to do everything that I'm doing, 
but please understand yep. the urgency of this hour because to the left, to those who want to control the population, a fearful um, citizenry can be easily led. And this propaganda machine just keeps rolling one lie after yep. another to keep the fear going. Let me just share a couple more thoughts from this article about the enemy's narrative that the left, it goes like this, stay home, and in parentheses, far away from Trump rallies and church services. <laughs> and then it says, stay safe, and in parentheses, code for staying controllable. That's right. If you yep. must if you must go out, stay masked. And that's a visible sign of submission to a, an irrational government. And then in every situation, practice social distancing. And then in brackets, it keeps us isolated from friends and like-minded thinkers and dependent on social media giants like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, who can shut us down and silence us with the stroke of an algorithm. Isn't yes. this chilling that we are living in these times? And I want to get your take on this before we run out of time, Heidi. We've got like five minutes left. The CDC's uh, guidelines for hospitals in, has encouraged doctors to kind of ignore um, casualty or causality, I'm sorry, when signing mm -hmm. off on death certificates. And I've heard in some cases that even when they had all, all kinds of different symptoms, the doctors are instructed to mark it up as a COVID-19 death and because they get federal money. What do you know about that? Well, they get a lot more money. So they get federal money if they say we have a COVID patient. They get, they get even more money if it's a COVID death, and they get even more money if they put them on a ventilator. And we're hearing, what is it, $70,000 if they, get, if they have to put them on a ventilator. Wow. And they're, they're, these guys are not encouraged to save the lives of these people. And also, let me just say, what we're seeing happening more and more is doctors are coming out and they're saying the vent, venting these people is the wrong approach. Hmm. You're killing them. You get them on the ventilator, you can't get them off. And so venting these wow. people is the wrong approach. I have zero faith. This is my this is Heidi St. John's vote of no confidence in the CDC. Uh, yesterday, this is crazy, David. Yesterday, my husband and I sitting uh, downstairs after dinner just watching a show, and the CDC called my house. They called my cell phone. What? And I, I yeah, I answered the phone. I have the number. I'm gonna. I screenshotted it. This is wild. This guy said, "Hi, my name's so and so from the Centers for Disease Control. I'm calling to find out how many of uh, how many family members and their names in your home have been vaccinated and what they've been vaccinated against." Oh my goodness! That happened to me last night, and I hung up on the guy. I was like, "Oh my word!" Like that violates every HIPAA rule that there is. I don't need to give that information to anybody, and so it was it's bone chilling. So wow. I thought, well, this cannot be right. So I sent the number to my assistant. She lives in Oklahoma, and she called it, and she's like, yep, that's the CDC, all right. That number is real. I couldn't believe it. Could wow. not believe it. We need to be. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. And we are. they're controlling us because we are afraid, and you worship what you fear, and we need to fear the Lord. Amen. We need to fear a loss of liberty. And uh, for us to be to sit back and just passively say, and I'll be talking about this because I'm going to I'll be doing Facebook Live today at some point. Good. And talking about this, talking about what's happening in Israel, which you and I don't have any time to get into. But people need to listen to Benjamin Netanyahu, who I respect and pray for. They need to listen to his speech, which he gave on Tuesday, in which he said that the new normal in Israel will likely include um, chipping, basically putting sensors on children. And he repeated this. He thinks it's a good idea. He said it's thinking outside the box. This is an idea, an idea he really likes. And also he said that basically uh, travel without some sort of a chip, some sort of a um, passport, he basically said, will no longer be enough for international travel. Wow. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm really sad I didn't get to see Israel in my lifetime because I don't I think that international travel is going to be halted unless we uh, accept some sort of a, a surveillance to quote-unquote protect people from potentially bringing a virus into another uh, country. This is out of Netanyahu's mouth. And I think, he's, I think he thinks he's helping. That's I, what's so, think so. alarming about yes. this. I think we're going to see good leaders who are being influenced by these globalists begin to make decisions that we never thought we would ever see them make in our lifetimes. It's time for people to wake up. Um, um, I, I'm thinking of Psalm 135, 5 and 6 to leave people with this thought from the psalmist that says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that the Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does 
in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all depths. And so what we take from that is all creation bows at his word. God's sovereignty extends from the lions and and animals to the wind, to the seas, to the bacteria, and even to viruses. So to quote Job 42.2, because God has not relinquished his control, Job 42.2 says, I know you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Remember, Christian brother and sister, the, the purpose we have in him to effect this, to influence people, to change our hearts so that we can lead people to Jesus Christ and salvation. That is God's purpose for us while we're here. And in the midst of all this, uh, we're going to do our best. But Heidi St. John, the busy mom, I appreciate your voice. A lot of our listeners I know are already know you, but some getting to know you. And we're going to be looking for your Facebook Live today. We thank you again for being on Standard for the Truth. God bless you, protect you, and uh, continue to lead you in Jesus' name. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We're praying for you. All right. Thanks, Heidi. Oh, my goodness. We ran out of time already. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, the guests next week. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. So in the podcast notes today at StandUpForTheTruth.com, I will put the scriptures that we shared with you, also the article um, Two different articles, actually, but the one, Social Distancing is Not the Answer, It's the Problem, and that other article on uh, God's sovereignty and what the book of Daniel teaches about uncertain times. Two great articles, plus the links to Heidi St. John. Uh, Monday, what a week we already had, but next week, John Haller, we kick it off with prophecy, and he's going to give us an update on the food chain and globalism and everything that's happening in the country regarding uh, COVID-19, how churches are handling it. Jay Siegert. On Tuesday, um, we also have Julaine Appling. She hasn't been on in a while, but I know we've got a lot to talk about with where Wisconsin is concerned and our governor. I know a lot of uh, listeners can relate to uh, governors that are kind of um, not operating the way that you think is beneficial for your state. Um, Friday, Dr. Andy Woods is back with us. And man, what an, a phenomenal Bible teacher he is. If you haven't checked out uh, Dr. Andy Woods, please do so. Just You can search at standardforthetruth.com. There's a search in the upper right. Type in a word, uh, whatever, whether that be uh, globalism or whatever, uh, Dr. Andy Woods or Heidi St. John. And uh, please share our podcast. We appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. Remember to love your neighbor. Remember to be patient. Let those fruits of the Spirit be exemplified in your life. God bless you and always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.